Well, I just want to say happy 4th of July to everybody that's here. I see variations of red, white, and blue. I had somebody tell me today, actually several people say, Pastor Jeff, that's not red, that's coral. And I'm just like, really guys? I mean, can you cut me some slack, okay? This is faded glory, okay? It's that American flag that needs to be taken and, and properly uh, disposed of is what it is. It's on my, on my self right now. So, but happy 4th of July. Hope all of you have plans and are looking forward to this incredible weekend as we celebrate our country's 246th birthday. Can you believe it? Wow. Yeah, let's go ahead. So on Friday, Broken Arrow had a block party, which is now going to become an annual thing here in the New Orleans Square. And I think it's funny because they, they asked the church if we would have permission to go ahead if they could set up and, and do this block party in our parking lot. And of course, we were like, yes, you know, God told us that we need to seek the welfare of the city. We need to serve the community. And this is one way we can serve is to have our parking lot, but secretly, although not really secretly, because this is being recorded and broadcast live, um, but secretly it's beneficial for us as well because then people get to see our church right there in the middle of everything. And yes, praise God for that. There's no mistake that he placed us here for a reason. And as I watched anywhere from probably, I'm gonna say about eight to 10,000 people uh, meander around our parking lot, um, I just had this sense that, you know what, next year we're going to do something different. Like, we're going to be a part of this, but we're going to be really be a part of it. Because what I saw were people that are going to fit kind of the bill that I'm going to talk about this morning in my message, but also those that I know that don't know Jesus. And here we are. We're literally this light in darkness um, to the point where even we had the lights, the parking lot lights and our, our front lights turned off because we thought that the city wanted us to have them off because the fireworks, right? You want to have it kind of dark so people could see the fireworks. And they came up to me and said, hey, we need to turn on all the lights. And so in the middle of all this is the awesome home church logo. And, and I literally had this thought that, hey, we are truly, as Jesus said, the light in the darkness, you know? So we had an opportunity, I mean, some of the staff was here and we were able to hand out some water to people that needed it and our porch became an area of ministry. And I had an opportunity to talk to some families and to some couples, some young couples that were sitting there and just invite them to church and invite some of the families to our kids camp that we're having later this month. Uh, even spoke to a large Mormon family, um, which was really, actually really a blessing to be able to talk to them. and. You know, it was just a moment to where I could see that God is using us, just the fact that we're even here as a church in the middle of everything that he's doing in this area, I, I just think is amazing. And so the message that I have today is kind of a one-time message, but it really is kind of being peeled off of last Sunday, about how I talked about we have this new community of people that we have to reach, and Jesus defined that new community as people that well, I should say the Pharisees really defined it um, as people that are sinners, prostitutes, tax collectors. You know, Jesus reached them all. That was his community. People that you would never think would be part of the church are the people that he was reaching. 
And so today my message is called Available, and if you want, you can turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 3. That's where I'm going to start this morning. But before I start, I'm going to go ahead and pray. Father, I just want to thank you so much for everybody that's here. I just thank you, Father, that even during a busy holiday weekend, those of us that are here, those of us joining online, that we've come because we need to be filled. We've come because we need to hear from your word today. We need to have these reminders. We need to have the influence of the Holy Spirit in our lives to work in us and through us. And Father, I just thank you for the words that you have for me this morning. And I just ask that those words be your words. I speak what you want me to speak and that everybody's hearts are open to receive this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So we have a new community to reach. And Peter said it this way. He said in chapter 3, verse 15 of 1 Peter, he said, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy. Okay, well, how are we supposed to do that? He says this, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with greatness, or I should say gentleness and respect. Always be prepared. There are some translations that say to be ready. My translation, excuse me, is available. Be available, right? We should be available to people because how can we be prepared to give an answer if we're not available for people? And he said, this is the way that you do it, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will than for doing evil. The Bible says that, that we are set free by Jesus to do good and not evil. So doing good is being ready also to have an answer for the hope that we have, but also to be available to people that are around us. What he's basically saying here is that we need to be available with the right hard attitudes. You can see I'm pulling a lot of my last series that I'm pulling a lot out of it. He goes on in 1 Peter chapter 4, if you want to turn there to verse 7. He said, the end of all things is at hand. Now, that's a very sobering thought. He wrote this 2,000 years ago. Here we are today. I think the end is even closer. The end is even more at hand than we can ever think or imagine. So, Lisa and I, we had, um, we had some people in our church reach out to us and say, hey, there's a church in Bartlesville that's closing. And they're having a church-wide estate sale. They're selling everything and want to see if there's anything that you need for the church, uh, our church. And, and I don't think we did, but we decided to go up there and check it out ourselves. And so we went up there and we made a day of it. We wanted to see some various things around Bartlesville. And, and we, it's been a while since I've been up there. And so Lisa and I took a little road trip up there and went to this church in Bartlesville. And it It's right in the middle of downtown Bartlesville. The church has been there for over 120 years. And um, I had an opportunity to speak to somebody who I assume was someone who was well tied with the church. I might be an elder. Um, But that person told me, because I asked, I was like, just out of curiosity, you know, why why are you guys closing up? And, And what she told me was basically people are leaving, going somewhere else. And they weren't really able to retain some of the younger population. And so I was just standing there listening to her. And, and 
the fact that she even said that we have enough money really to kind of keep this church going, but what's the point? We're not growing. We're not keeping people here. And that just did not sit well with me. First of all, I felt, ugh, that I was in there looking over their stuff and wanting to buy it, you know. But secondly, more importantly, I, I just felt kind of a little, a little distraught because this is a church that's been here for over a century and it's now closing its doors. There is a lot going on right now in this world to where Christians, for some reason, they're just transferring from one church to the other. Yeah, they're church hopping, exactly. And in some respects, not reaching the young. And this verse, when I read it, that's what I thought of. Like a sign of the end is the church is having a more difficult time growing its body. Because either people are disenchanted with church, they don't want to come, or they have heard about Jesus and simply just don't think there's a need for him. And they just don't come. So he goes on and says, because the end is at hand, be self-controlled and sober. And I think part of the reason why some people don't come to church is because we know the end is near and we're going crazy. The church is kind of going crazy. And what Peter is saying here is, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Verse 8, above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. And this goes back to the whole attitude that we're supposed to have, the, the acceptance, which really is what Jesus wants, is that Christ-like acceptance, not of people's sin, but the fact that they're human beings that deserve an opportunity to receive Jesus, just like you and I had that opportunity, right? And so what he's saying here is that we need to keep loving one another earnestly. It doesn't say here to be all fire and brimstone, although that does come, yes, if you don't know Jesus, yes, you will go to hell, okay? And I say that in love. I love you enough that I want you to know that. But I don't want to be crazy about it to where I just, all I do is push you away. That's not love. I think that gives people an opportunity for a platform that's themselves and not Jesus. If you want to know the honest truth. So I want to show you a couple of slides because I really think this is going to kind of highlight what I'm talking about here. Because, you know, we live in a state, we live in Tulsa which is considered really kind of the, the belt buckle of the Bible belt. Like, there's this mentality, I think, with us here in this church, not in this church, but the church in general in this area, where we think everybody's a Christian. And that's not the case. Because there was a study done a few years ago, and I wanna, I wanna point it out to you right here. So there was a study done by an, a Baptist organization called The Messengers. It was done in 2018. And there's a lot of stats in this study, but they kind of narrowed it down to where you can take it and kind of think of it. And I think, and I believe that when you guys are out in the store and you, and you remember this, that it will stick with you. So what it is, they narrowed it down to basically people in a checkout line. So wherever you go to shop, whether it's Walmart, Target, wherever, the next time you're there, what they said was count 10 people off in your line. So that's what they did. They took 10 people in a checkout line, and basically, as you look at it, statistically, based on this study, 
there are four people in that line that are actively involved in the local church. And we praise God for that, okay? So here in Oklahoma, you pick out 10 people in the checkout line, there are four people that are active in a local church. There are six in that line that are unchurched. So they went ahead and they broke down those six. So the next slide will we'll show you what it is, if you can see it. There's three people that are in that six that are what they call de-churched. De-churched means that something happened. They either got mad at God, they got offended at the church, and they left. They're considered de-churched. That's part of the reason why I think our attitude has to be Jesus's attitude. Because if they feel like they can't come back because of judgment and condemnation, oh, you were angry at God and you left church, what's wrong with you? Right? They will never step foot. They'll never darken the door of a church again. There are two in that group that have never been to church, and they're not going. And that could be that wall. There could be that perception of they won't accept me. Why would God love me because of all the things that I've done? Or they're just too busy in their lives. They just don't feel like there's a need for church. And then there's one in that group um, that are considered non-Christian, probably belong to another faith. So the reason why I, I point this out is because I want you guys to see that snapshot. The next time you go somewhere and you're standing in line, when there's a lot of lines that were out here on Friday during the block party for those food trucks. And all I kept doing was counting off 10 people, 10 people, 10 people, and breaking it down. So really, there are six people in this group that need Jesus. There are four that go to a local church that maybe still need Jesus. Just because you go to church and you're actively involved does not mean that you know Jesus. This is important to understand because if we're going to be available to people, then we have to get out of this mindset that we live here in Oklahoma where everybody's a believer. And there's a whole lot more to that, and we're going to get into this here in a sec. So if you would, turn to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. I absolutely think this really highlights the people that are here in Oklahoma. This man named Cornelius and his family. This really highlights who it is that I believe that God wants us to reach. Because I can side with Cornelius. I used to stand in this man's shoes. So Luke writes, beginning in verse 1, at Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort. So here's, here's Cornelius. He's an officer in the Roman army. The Romans who are occupying all of Israel right now. He was a centurion. So he is somebody definitely that I think that when the apostles were going out and were spreading the gospel, there is no way, there is no way that this, these people would ever come to know Jesus. They were not acceptable. This was a Gentile. Gentiles weren't even considered people that could be reached right now. But God had to intervene. And we're going to see that here in a minute. So Luke goes on and explains in verse 2 that Cornelius was a devout man who feared God. 
with all his household. He gave alms generously to the people and prayed continually to God. You know what this means? He was a good person. A good person. He knew of the Jewish tradition. He was helpful to the Jewish people. He prayed to God in the Jewish way. He did not know Jesus. I was raised Catholic. And as a Catholic, I learned how to pray the rosary. But just because I prayed the rosary did not mean that I knew Jesus. When the offering plate came by, I gave money. So this is going to make every kid in here cringe, but my allowance every week when I was growing up was $1.50 before I got a job when I was in high school. $1.50 wouldn't even cover a third of a tank of gas, really, but $1.50. So I would give a little bit into the offering plate. I would pray the rosary. Like Cornelius, I was a good person. I think just really kind of highlights the people here in Oklahoma because, listen, there's a reason why I married somebody from Oklahoma. Yeah, Lisa's like, really? Yes. Because super nice. Listen, this is a state where me growing up in the Washington, D.C. area and coming out here is like night and day difference. <laughs> like, Driving in traffic here in Oklahoma is like a blessing. It is actually non-stressful. People let you in on the highway, even at a four-way stop when it's not your right away, they still let you, hey, come on by, come on through, you know? It's like, what is going on? This is like a whole other world out here. There are good people in Oklahoma, and I think that helps put the blinders on for all of us, and then we're like, they're all good, they're gonna go to heaven. The answer is no, they are not. So verse 3, about the ninth hour of the day, Cornelius saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius, and this is where it's going to get crazy, okay, but crazy good. God desires all men to be saved. And he will move heaven and earth to give everybody an opportunity. And so he sends an angel And he stared at him in terror and said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner whose house is by the sea. And when the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. So here's Cornelius, he's praying at the ninth hour. He's, he's doing everything he can to seek and find this God that he's heard about through the Jewish tradition. And here comes this angel to kind of wake him up and say, listen, I really want you to know who I am. And so I want you to send men out to go find this guy named Peter. And let me tell you something, that's somebody that back in the day, I would have wanted to know. And so he does. And he goes on in verse 9, the next day as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. And he became hungry and wanted wanted something to eat. How many of you does that speak to right now? 
You're hungry and you wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens open and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. So the takeaway from this is God speaks to you through your stomach. There's some truth to that, amen? So you're hungry. You know, there's a reason why There's a reason why we fast sometimes. That hunger reminds you of the need that you have for God. And see, Peter, what's awesome about this is that, like he normally does, he goes to pray. He made himself available to God. That's number one, if you're taking notes. We need to make ourselves available to God. I talked about the living water last week. And how our connectedness to Jesus is going to give us what we need to be able to draw people to us so that we can witness to them, so that we can be Jesus to them. And see, Peter, all he was doing was going to go pray. And then God gave him a vision. And this vision was not about food. It was about people that he would normally look at and say, There's no way we're going to be able to reach them. There's no way that we should reach them because of who they are. And what God is saying, no, 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 no. Don't call these people unclean. No, no, no. They're not common. No, they're my creation that need to come to know Jesus just like you did. And see, here's the thing. I really think that we often think that we have to do something that we have to be ready, that we have to be called to be an evangelist to reach people. And all I did on Friday for some people that had an opportunity to do was just give them a whole bottle of water and give them an invitation card and said, would you please come to church? We'd love to have you. This place that you're sitting at right now, well, you turn around, there it is. This is home church. We'd love to have you. The more that we're connected to him, the more that the Holy Spirit will draw people to us. We have to be available to God. Verse 17, now while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might have meant, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. Sometimes God will speak to us and we're perplexed. What does he mean? Like, Lord, what is it you want us to do? Like, have you ever been in a store, in a Starbucks, somewhere in the public, and you're near people, and you look at somebody, and you hear in your spirit, go say an encouraging word to that person. And you're kind of sitting there scratching your head, perplexed, like, did you just speak to me? Is that what you want me to do, is go and reach out to this person and say an encouraging word, or am I just hearing myself think? Like, then you start to say, hey, Lord, if that's really what you want me to do, 
then make that person turn around three times and look right at me. And then maybe I'll go and do that. You know, my experiences have been that sometimes God does do those things. And it's weird. Like that confirmation that, oh yeah, so you did speak to me. I need to go speak to that person and give them an encouraging word, which leads to an invitation to church or maybe even leads to an opportunity for me to pray for them. And it's okay to be perplexed and wonder, did God really speak? But then the next thing you should do is say, Lord, if that's really you, then, then say it again. Or give me a sign. And you know what? He does. And this sign where these men come into the door and wondering where Peter was. So in verse 19, while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. So if you're taking notes again, this is number two. Peter was available to God. He was in prayer. He received the vision that God wanted him to have. He got his marching orders, and now he's making himself available to people. Verse 21, and Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you are looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man, a good person, who was well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. So he invited them in to be his guest. See, this is what we need to be praying about right here. My prayer is, I want people to have open hearts to hear what God has given me to say. What Bill said today through his testimony, that's primarily, I believe, how God wants us to be a witness, is by our testimony. Like, I, I want people to put down the wall, as I spoke about last Sunday, and open their hearts. That's my prayer, to hear what God has given me to say. Like, I would love, and not that I would do this, to walk into a Catholic church and tell everybody as they're exiting Mass what God has done in my life and how I know Jesus now and how I used to be a Catholic. Like, I would pray that Catholics would want to hear what it is that I had to say. What is your testimony? What is it? This is part of being prepared, being ready for the answer of the hope that we have being ready, being available. What has God done in your life? What is your testimony that you can share when that person asks you, you know what, I feel drawn to you. What is, what is it that you want to say? There's something I know you want to say to me. This is something that I think we need to be ready for. Verse 23, so the next day he rose and went away with them and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him and on the following day, they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. So this is awesome. We're about ready to have church in this little house. This is the new community. So it's not just Cornelius. Now it's his friends and his relatives. One faithful action when God tells us to do something could lead to revival. Because we're about to see it here. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up saying, stand up, I too am a man. That's 
more of that new attitude, that Christ-like attitude. We read about this last Sunday where Jesus came down to be like us, to lower himself as a servant. See, our mentality should be, I don't care who it is, I don't care if they're a believer or unbeliever, I don't care if they're, they're slinging mud on me, they're spitting on me, whatever. I'm here to love and to serve them. I am no better than they are. <laughs> I don't have all my stuff together, so why should I expect them to have all theirs together? Like I too am just a man. Translation, I too am just a sinner. I too am here at your level. We're in this together. But the difference is I have Jesus. And right now, you don't and I want you to. So Peter, I love this, this humility. Stand up. I too am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. Verse 28. And he said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God, but God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. There's further humility there. This is, listen, I used to think that I, really, I was too good for you. But see, God made something happen in me to where I realized as he showed me that I have no right to think that. Like, that's some extra dose of humility, right? Like, I used to feel this way about you. I used to think this way about you, but God changed my heart. If he did it for me, he can do it for you. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. How many of you have been sent? It goes back to what I said, like you're standing in public and God says, go to that person. Reach out to that person. Pray for that person. Maybe you know of people in your social media feed that are going through stuff. And as you're reading, God says, reach out to that person. Like, come without objection. Like, don't build a wall. Tear it down, because God's going to use you. And he goes, I asked then why you sent for me. And Cornelius said, Four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. So I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. Now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. Again, this is where our prayer should be focused on. People are hungry to hear. We pray all the time in here for open hearts to receive. You know, that the words that God given me and that I give to you, that you have open hearts to receive. It's the same thing for those that are outside these four walls, that we pray that there are open hearts to receive that are hungry for God, that want to know who he is, that want to know who Jesus is, that wants to know what it's like to live in freedom. Freedom from who? From ourselves. Freedom from sin. 
Freedom from the things that plague me every day. Freedom from my health issues. Freedom from whatever it is that got you in bondage. And right now, the, the, the things that people need freedom for are the blinders that the devil has over their eyes. And what I want us to be as a church is not just a light and darkness, but a blinding beacon. And we'll bring people in. Like, if I'm honest with you, Friday for me out here in the block party and seeing these thousands of people, it was frustrating for me. Some of the invitation cards I gave to people, they, they threw on the ground. Like, I see the need. And right now, as I'm going into prayer about things for this church, for home church in particular, I really see the need for us to realize we have so much opportunity. Not just when there's an organized event, but what I'm going to talk about next month is how the Holy Spirit will fill us and give us what we need to be that blinding beacon. Because listen, what happened to Peter is not an anomaly. It didn't just happen for him. It can happen to any one of us. It goes back to, are we drinking from Jesus the living water? Are we spending time with him? And I have confessed this to you before, being a pastor in full-time ministry, a lot of my time is focused on what I'm going to say to you and I personally need more time hearing what God has to say to me. Because we cannot do it in our own strength. So when I read this and I see that this man who gathered all his friends and family are saying, God spoke to me too, and so I sent for you, and you've been kind enough to come. I want to be that person that's kind enough to go when I'm called. And every situation is going to look different. That's why we have to be ready. That's why we have to be available to God to drink, but also available to people to pour out. So beginning in, in verse 34 in the same chapter, the subheading, if you have an ESV translation, says Gentiles hear the good news. This is awesome. So Peter did what? He opened his mouth. God directs you to somebody. The next thing you got to do, the only thing that you're responsible for is to open your mouth. And this is what he said, truly, I understand that God shows no partiality. No partiality. No respecter of persons. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. How do we fear him? We realize the weight of our sin. We realize that we cannot save ourselves. And then we accept Jesus, his son, who died for us on the cross and resurrected from the dead. That is how we fear him. That is the sin that grieves the Holy Spirit when we don't. Anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel preaching the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed 
how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and made him to appear. Not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that even or that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. He opened his mouth and he preached the gospel. Not saying that that will happen every time that you open your mouth. But there will be opportunities for that if you're available to God and if you are available to people. This is amazing to me. Because what we're going to find is Cornelius and his entire house got saved. So the next subheading in the ESV translation is the Holy Spirit falls on the Gentiles. While Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. I love this because we so often talk about how Jesus saves us, but I think sometimes we forget about the Holy Spirit. And here comes a situation where these people, they heard the good news, they received Jesus into their hearts, and all of a sudden they're filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking with other tongues. And Peter and the apostles that were with him were all standing there like, what is going on here? Revival is breaking out here in Caesarea. The Holy Spirit fell. Man, next month we're going to talk about, I'm sorry, this month, because I keep thinking we're in June still. I cannot believe we're in July. But for the next four weeks of this month, we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. Because, yes. Because I'm kind of sick and tired of, of not talking about him enough. Because the things that I've been preaching the things that I'm going through in my life, there ain't no way I can do them without the Holy Spirit. And we're going to learn, we're going to learn, I'm getting really ahead of myself, and I'm just really excited because God has given me a lot, and I've already got most of the four weeks planned out, but man, I am so excited about how the Holy Spirit is for us, but He's also for others. And He is all about doing things for love, God's love. But the great thing about him is that he is for the common good. Which means he will fall on anybody who would just simply ask. And in this case, all they wanted was to know the truth. And not only did they get Jesus, but then they get the power of the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people? who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. Man, this is extremely parallel somewhat to Jesus when he spent time in Samaria with that 
that Samaritan woman in all of her village, where he spent a couple of days with him, that new community, the people that, that have heard the good news for the first time received Jesus, and now they're being discipled. Because just because we get them in this church and they hear the good news, or maybe you're out there outside these four walls and they hear you preach the gospel and they receive Jesus does not mean the job is over. We still have to disciple them. And that's where all of you come in as well because we have Christian community for a reason. They need to be discipled and ultimately the big idea today is simply this, is that our availability to God and our availability to people pours out the Holy Spirit. Pours Him out from you, from me.